the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Today's a Fed day, which basically means we're waiting to see what Janet Yellen says. She's the head banker for the Federal Reserve. She's basically the queen of bankers. She gets them all together in a room and talks, hey, how's things going in San Francisco? Hmm, how are things down in Dallas? Yippee-ki-yay! How are things in Philadelphia? Yo. And she makes a consensus, and she tries to, you know, figure out what the policy should be. Should we be a nation that lends money on the cheap? Or are things heating up, and we don't want inflation to crush us and our costs? And we need to, like, cut things down. In the end, life is, economic life is about supply and demand. And when you have a lot of demand, prices can get pretty high. And that can kill people who don't have the ability to afford that. Um, big story of the day, I think, other than that, it has to be Uber drivers are employees, not contractors, according to the California Labor Commission. This is a company that will be the biggest IPO of the year when it comes out. It'll be big, 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 like Facebook big. But this is a decision that if it sticks, and it's going to be appealed, if it sticks, it could be a crushing, devastating shot to the company. Instead of being a logistics company that takes 20 to 30% of a transaction, suddenly they would have to pay benefits for their employees, one million of them of which are you know, drivers. Right now they're contractors. And when you pay benefits, you also have to pay Social Security taxes. Um, it could be pretty damaging. It could reduce, you know, a lot of money. A lot of money right there. Um, so I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> You're saying your idea of fun is a little bit on the sick side. It might be. It might be. Um, brutal reactions to Donald Trump running for president. <laughs> uh, the Daily News. You gotta love New York. It's obviously it's his hometown. Clown runs for president. Trump throws rubber nose in GOP ring. <laughs> they they wrote they said that his speech was tantamount to a circus. 
No, a clown giving a speech at a circus. That's pretty funny. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm not impressed by Trump. I think he's a great marketer. I don't think he's a great businessman. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You know, quietly, one company that's getting hit uh, pretty brutally um, is Chipotle. Chipotle Mexican Grill. Stock has pulled back pretty heavily in the last 30 days. So that's something you take a look for. You know, you don't say, ooh, red hot burrito chain. Uh, which they're also working on a, a similar concept with pizza. And what's interesting about the pizza concept is, you know, all the ingredients would be super fresh, and you'd build your pizza, and they'd put it in the oven, and it'd be ready in about three minutes. Um, the way pizza businesses work, and for the record, the Domino's Pizza has been like the best performer on the S&P 500 for last, over the last five years. Pizza is some it's cheap food. Um, all things considered, it's a lot of carbs. So you, you kind of get your fill, so to speak. But Chipotle, you look for companies like this that, you know, have they done anything wrong? Uh, not really. Is it still very expensive? Yeah. But do you think the future's pretty good or do you think the future's pretty lame? I think the future's pretty good. That's the type of stock that I would be looking at when the markets just don't make any sense. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Some of the other headline stories out there today. Investors are bracing for volatility as Greece eyes default. There's no progress towards a resolution, and it looks like it's going to happen. Um, so watch that. Fitbit's supposed to come public today. Let's see if they're out yet. Um, just because it would be kind of a good twist, per se, to talk about. Um, companies are IPOing, which means it was a privately held company for a while. They raised money, they raised money. And at some point in time, the people who helped them raise money, the investors and the uh, people who you know, did the blood, sweat, and tears at the company, they're like, you know what, it's time for us to cash out. And uh, they sell it to the public. And um, I have a problem because Fitbit has a high abandonment rate company that makes a variety of fitness trackers has filed for the IPO. They're coming public today. The revenues are great, um, which is great. Fitbit's revenues have risen from just over a quarter of a billion dollars per year in 2013 to almost a billion in the last four quarters, which is a phenomenal growth rate. Um, they had a Fitbit force recall, which really impacted their margins. Um, the various numbers that you can price to earnings, price to revenue, price to sales, um, debt, profits, um, all are important. But the one that I'm going to be paying attention to is active users and registered users and see how many are abandoning. So the abandonment rate is going to be where you have 85% market pie, how much does that dwindle down over time? Uh, very few Fitbit buyers purchase a second device. It appears that the half of those who bought one stop using it after a period of time. There's a flip side of this, if you're looking for a silver lining, which is that the number isn't falling dramatically. 
In other words, over two years, the number was 50% and it still is. Um, so the abandonment and the retention is going to be something that you pay heavy, heavy attention to. Um, and we'll see. Um, there's also going to be some you know, threat of Apple and the watch and threat from Chinese vendors you know, who could make a similar product for less money. And uh going to be interesting to see. Starbucks is closing all 23 La Boulange locations. Starbucks will close all of them, saying the stores weren't sustainable for the company's long-term growth. Food sales rose 16% year-over-year year in the most recent quarter. And I've recently talked about this. Starbucks has 20,000-plus stores, and McDonald's has 33,000. And I'm seeing more and more mothers in line at Starbucks buy their kids like an egg sandwich, um, which I guess is comparable to an egg McMuffin, but mothers are a little bit more comfortable going into Starbucks than they are into McDonald's. And again, that doesn't mean you give up on McDonald's. It could. Uh, to me, it means that you see the opportunity that Starbucks has ahead of themselves. I think it's pretty impressive. So Fed fund rates hit the highest level in over two years. The key borrowing costs for the Federal Reserve targets. Um, we're going to be paying a lot of attention to what the Federal Reserve has to say at 11 this morning. When I say we, I'm going to basically just say money because, heck, you may be celebrating your Golden State Warriors and you don't give a hoot about what's going on with the bankers. Uh, but it's a big change. And when interest rates do start to rise, and if it's going to be third quarter or fourth quarter uh, or next year, it's going to have a big impact on Wall Street. And you just need to be ready for it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Starbucks is closing all 23 La Boulogne locations, but basically saying it's just not what they want to do. The cafes are very French-looking, um, inspired core menus. we got the cute little pink envelopes that hold the pastries. Um, Starbucks, at one point in time, saw it as very strategic to try to get in to compete with companies like McDonald's because McDonald's was improving their coffee offerings. Starbucks had to improve something. And it was food. And they you know, they bought La Boulange, they bought Tivana, they bought Evolution Fresh, and they're shutting down the Evolution Fresh retail location in San Francisco as well. It's saying it's not backing away from the standalone stores. No, it's saying it is backing away from the standalone stores. 
but they said food's still a big deal. Food sales up 16% year over year. And new breakfast sandwiches have contributed to a 35% jump in breakfast sales. Pretty good. Pretty good. I just wish they had more uh, drive-thrus. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Welcome in. CFP, Chad Burton. He joins me on a regular basis to talk financial planning issues with me. How does a CFP approach estate planning? Obviously, estate planning, give me a real brief sentence of what it means. Well, estate planning is to, if you become incapacitated, who's going to handle your affairs for you while you're alive? And then once you die, how do we distribute assets the way you want it, your charities, your kids, the least amount of probate costs, the least amount of taxes possible? The the issue with the CFP, the way that we approach it, is attorneys tend to uh, deal with what the asset values are now. Okay. We'll project it way out into the future so that we know, based on normal life expectancies, here's what we're dealing with in terms of real estate values, retirement account values, stocks, bonds, and so that you can really truly deal with what it is. Because I've seen people that are worth $3.5 million at age 40, but the way that they're spending their money, yeah. they're they're dead broke by the time they're 80. So they, they spend all this money on these expensive estate planning documents where they're really projected to be poor in the future. It's fascinating to say that because you're age 43 and a half million. That sounds great. It's kind of like NFL football players yeah, yeah. where they come out and by age 25, 30, they've got millions and millions, but they spend like they've got millions and millions. And yeah. That income stops and the outflow goes on and you know what happens. So once it's done, once people have you know started figuring out estate planning, um, what do we need to know about that approach to estate planning and then, you know, executing it into a trust per se? Well, first of all, it's really important right now that people take a new look at their trust, even if they've done it in the last two years, because the end of 2012 laws were changed significantly. The amount you could leave to your heirs changed. And now most people's trust force the funding of what's called a bypass trust at the first spouse's death. You don't have to have that anymore. Because the first person that dies, their amount can port over to the surviving spouse, and which is which is really really great. The problem is, is that what if you pass away early, and your half of the community property goes to your surviving spouse, then that surviving spouse remarries, right? And then all of a sudden, instead of your kids being named as beneficiaries, somebody else's kids or somebody else's family ends up with the money. So it's very you, you've got to redo that because that bypass trust you might. Uh, I think Michelle Lerman calls it a Q-tipable bypass trust. Q-tip is a, a term that we, we don't need to get into, but it's really a protection trust so that you can still port that over but and have assets available to your surviving spouse, but your half of your community property goes where you want it to go hmm. you know, at, at, at your death. So it's very important that people redo their trusts. Right. Um, and then while you're doing that, the thing is, is that the attorney might give you the trust, but you have to redo your beneficiary designations. So your retirement accounts might name your spouse as primary and then a trust is contingent. You've got to make sure that the trust that you have has the right language for retirement accounts called conduit or see-through language. If you want to leave money to charity and you want to do it, the best way to do it is with retirement accounts because the charities never pay taxes on that money. Okay. What I like to do is separate. If you want to leave 100000 to your church, then we put that into a separate IRA, that 100000 and name the church as the beneficiary so it doesn't screw up the the other beneficiaries in terms of being able to defer the taxes over their lifetime in an inherited IRA. Then we get into things like charitable planning and leaving a legacy, really going into the hopes and, and dreams of, of how you want to have your money work for you after you die. What is a charitable trust? 
it's it's a basically it's a way that you can take a, a low basis asset that you want to sell and get income from. You put it into the trust, you get a tax deduction. You don't pay the, the capital gains tax currently at all. You get a tax deduction instead. You get lifetime income. And then when you pass, whatever's left over in the trust goes to your favorite charity. And there's no estate taxes on that money. So Uncle Sam gets cut out of the picture, and you use some of that income to fund another irrevocable life insurance trust that buys insurance on you so that your kids get that same amount tax-free. Everybody wins except Uncle Sam in that one. So if people are, you know, have charitable intent and low basis stock, what um, it's, so, it's such a great planning tool. What happens if you fund a charitable trust and then the stock market tanks? And whatever you gave them, like let's say XYZ stock goes from 500 to 5. Mm-hmm. Is there a ramification? Um, there's no ramification. It's just that ten, you typically you you get a percentage of the income, so five or six percent. Mm-hmm. And so if it, it tanks, you're going to get a lower income from it, unless you have some sort of a. Um, there there are ways to get guaranteed income out of them. Um, some of the alternative products that we've talked about before, but usually your charitable trusts are going to be um, very balanced portfolios. You know, not a ton of risk because you're gonna you're really going to want the income and you want to have money left over for your heirs. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton. He does a show here on the station from 1 to 2 p.m. If you want to get a podcast of his show, you can find that at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. I highly endorse, I highly recommend. His knowledge base is totally different than mine. That's why we work well together. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Um, couple stocks to think about when it comes to self-driving cars. A big industry that's going to be a big winner there is the energy field. And, you know, um, in the oil fields up in Canada, Suncor has already started testing self-driving dump trucks. Uh, If you've ever watched a video, like, on dump trucks, if you're fascinated with, like, super big rigs, you'll see that these things, you know, crawl around the energy fields. And to employ someone, that's 50000 to $100,000 in costs. So cutting that cost by having self-driving vehicles will happen in the energy field pretty fast. You think about it in your, you know, day-to-day, I'm going to drive around and I'm not going to die. Self-driving cars will save me. There's a company called Mobileye, M-B-L-Y, and... Um, the NTSB's recent recommendation that collision avoidance systems become standard on all vehicles is going to help. And Mobileye is a volatile stock, but it's got a good 10 years ahead of it. Uh, if you don't like that one because it's tunal, maybe you go after someone like Freescale Semiconductor. They're going to be a powerhouse in autos and microcontrollers and the Internet of Things. Some of their parts are already used by Caterpillar in the manufacturing of self-driving dump trucks, um, as well as Komatsu. So I know kind of an odd conversation to have, but we need to have it, because Google's not the only player. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. I know what you're trying to say, baby. Trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time.
thing you know, we're in the bathroom brushing our teeth. That's all part of it. That's foreplay. Foreplay is very important in love. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's time to bring on Dr. Jeffrey Rosen. He's got his own theme song. It's business time. It's time to talk about the economy. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm okay. Uh, big fun night watching the NBA Finals last night, but you got the Chicago Blackhawks the night before, so uh, congratulations to both our cities. Yeah, this is actually a pretty good year for me because uh, I'm also uh, an alumni from Ohio State, so I've won a championship uh, twice this year. Nice. Uh, you a sports guy? Pretty much, yeah. It's interesting because I, I, I'm not so much, but I like it because it gives people things to talk about, and so I always want the home team to win. But <laughs> I did want a game. Se- I wanted a game seven because I wanted the economy, the California economy, to get one more game. Um, pretty ridiculous the way I think, uh, but yeah, I don't, pay taxes. I don't think that you're going to see much uh, increase in economic uh, welfare because of uh, a game seven. I mean, realistically, uh, the idea that sports bring additional revenue is kind of more of a myth than, than actuality. I mean, the reality is that the people who are going to spend the money on the baseball, on the basketball game. We're going to spend the money on something else another time so you're not seeing you know really any growth you're just moving things from you know one purchase to another so is that how you feel about sports arenas they should be funded by the owner or by the the city definitely by the owner I mean it gives you very very little in terms of economic gains when the public pays for uh, sports arenas I mean, you may get some welfare distribution effects if the area was so bloodied before that no one went there but in the end, you're only just moving income into that area where people would be spending money you know, somewhere else. It's not uh, any increase in productivity. It's not any increase in labor. It's just simply moving money from one hand to another. The Federal Reserve meeting today, waiting for liftoff, uh, is what are, you, what are you focusing in on? What are the dots you're going to be paying attention to when Janet Yellen speaks? Yeah, I think it's more just an overall idea of what she believes the you know the economy is. I think we're not going to get any surprises. I think she's going to say that uh, the economy is improving, that there's still work to be done. But I think she's uh, going to you know let the public know that you know if things keep along the same path that we've been seeing, you know the likelihood of a rate increase is in the nearer term, which. Uh, my expectation near term in September as opposed to the uh, the um, July meeting, but you know I, I think that that's what uh, she's you know going to be saying just to get the the idea of transparency continued that uh, she wants to raise rates and you know we're going to raise rates soon. Hypothetically, if you were the Federal Reserve president, um, are you seeing enough in the economy that it's time to raise rates? No, not at all. No, uh, I, I look at it as. You know, the Fed's target, you know, the Fed's mandate is stable inflation around 2% and full employment. And the inflation outlook that we have right now is below 2%. You know, if you look at inflation expectations, uh, you know, CPI growth isn't expected to exceed uh, 2.5% even in the long term. And 2.5% of the CPI more correlates with uh, the 2% target that the Fed uses in the PCE numbers. So 
you know, the market's not expecting it. If you look at the employment situation, the headline number looks good. You have 5.5% uh, unemployment rate. But, you know, my guess is that that unemployment rate's pretty biased. We had a lot of people that left the labor force that have not returned. The employment-to-population ratio remains weak. Now, if we expect normal demographics and add in the people that we believe should be working just based on what the census tells us we have of, you know, 24 to 54 aged workers, the unemployment rate's closer to, you know, 7.5% or 8 So why raise rates if you're 3% or 3 percentage points above, you know, the full employment target of 5.5%? So, you know, basically you're raising rates in an environment where, you know, the outlook is still weak. Anything else that we need to hit on with Janet Yellen, or should we move to other topics? I think that, you know, it's important. I think that, you know, what she says is important, but I think that she's really, you know, all she's going to do is confirm, you know, what everybody expects, that they want to raise rates and that they think the economy is moving in the correct direction where rate a rate increase, you know, within a, a couple months is a reality. You know, I think she wants to just push that out to make sure that the markets are aware of that. You know, we saw similar things with um, in volatility when the ECB said a couple weeks ago that they, you know, they were willing to let volatility go to, to keep their, you know, their trends of uh, quantitative easing in place. I think you're going to hear something similar from Janet Yellen, but instead of quantitative easing, it's, you know, the fact that a rate increase is going to come and volatility is normal from that. Recently, we've seen some debate on productivity, and it looks like U.S. productivity has slowed down. That seems to be a wild card. What do we need to know about productivity? Well, the way GDP is calculated, it's a growth rate. And you can essentially say the growth rate is the growth of the labor force, not necessarily the labor force, but the number of people working, and productivity growth. So in order for economic gains, you either have to have an increase in uh, you know, the number of workers, which you know, is going to cap out sometime soon because of demographics. And the only other way is to have productivity gains so that the workers that are currently working are able to produce more. And right now you're seeing productivity growth slow. So, you know, in the end that leads to, you know, potential growth that's lower than what we had seen in the past. You know, the idea of 3% GDP gains may not be likely if you don't have uh, strong enough productivity gains. So in, in the end, you know, it really tells you how, you know, the economy is going, you know, what the, what the potential gains can be. I've recently seen the birth rate in the United States has, quote, unquote, hit a turning point. Um, six years after the recession has ended, Americans are poised to say, okay, things are good enough out there. Let's make a baby. Um, do you pay attention to baby statistics? Uh, not statistics? the near-term baby statistics, because we're talking okay. about 25 years from now of those people really being the, the main contributors of economic growth. And my forecasts <laughs> don't go out that long. I, I don't make 25, 50-year uh, projections. So it doesn't impact me and what I do. I find it interesting because it kind of gives a, an idea that, you know, maybe people are a little bit more comfortable in terms of the economy. And if they're willing to have more kids today, 
considering what the cost is to have kids. It might be, you know, an indicator potentially of, you know, consumption growth or uh, I should say, you know, removing some of this, the, the idea of uh, savings because you're going to lose your job into savings for college education. <laughs> it, it might give you a, a little bit of, uh, of a boost, but not much. Interesting that you bring that up, um, that you don't really look too much into it. Do you look at the differences between, like, 35-year-olds, what they're spending money on, and 18- to 35-year-olds? Because the financial media seems to make a huge deal out of the millennials. And I think when you start making babies and you settle down, you start saving more money, you have a house that you're putting, building equity in, and it just it's a different time. Whereas when you're under 35, you're just kind of living large and going to Mexico and throwing your money into flights and things that maybe not have productivity tied towards them or, you know, financial gains, or am I just totally off? I think it's right more now? of that the media focuses on millennials because the idea of what millennials spend their money on is different. So that the companies that were in the past uh, making money on, you know, 20 to 20, you know, or younger groups, the, young, the younger age groups aren't meeting their demographic demand, you know, and in terms of stock prices, that's important. In terms of all overall consumption, not so much because, you know, just like the sports tickets we were talking about, you know, if you're not buying money, you know, if you're not spending money at place A, you know, place A is going to suffer, but they're still spending money at place B, so the overall economic gains are a washout. But if you're trying to bet on which company is going to succeed in the future, you know, and you had your money on company A because they've always done well in the past, and now the millennials aren't shopping there or not eating there, that makes a difference. But in terms of overall economic growth, you know, I really just want to see if, you know, people are going to be able to make higher wages, if higher wages are going to translate into uh, higher consumption trends, or are consumers not able to get credits or the necessary, uh, you know, underlying needs to see consumption growth. And if that's the case, that's going to slow down overall economic gains. But, you know, right now the focus is on more of, you know, which company is going to do better as opposed to, you know, are these millennials going to be spending and saving at rates that we'd seen, you know, in the past, you know, like how the boomers spent and saved or, or something like that. We've got about 30 seconds. Any last thoughts you want to throw out? I think that just pay attention to what Janet says today. I think that the idea of, uh, you know, a rate increase in September is is pretty good. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that idea, but uh, I think that the Fed is, is pointing that direction. And right now, the futures market is projecting a uh, an October um, increase. That's probably a little bit okay. too late, given the fact that there's no uh, press conference in October. So just keep that in mind. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Always part of the smartest 12 minutes you're going to hear in radio. Um, very insightful, very helpful. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Tesla Motors is seeking to lower battery costs with a new partnership. Always a smart company looks for cutting costs. Tesla's locked a leading battery researcher into an exclusive partnership designed to help the Silicon Valley company sharply lower battery costs to make electric cars more viable. Jeff Don, a professor at Don, Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia, is known for his work in innovating the types of lithium batteries. Uh, so interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a press release, for sure. Can't get too excited by that. It's out there, though. Um, Nokia and Octolucent announced the United States Department of Justice has granted early termination of the U.S. antitrust period for their combination. I can't get excited about either. Uh, both of those were important companies in the 80s and early 90s, but not really since. Nokia, at one point in time, was... Well, Motorola started like dominating wireless phones, and then Nokia really got it because they got the digital component of it, and now Apple. Um, so you can see that at one point in time, Motorola was the king, then Nokia was the king, and Apple became the king. It's kind of like a Game of Thrones. You can probably call it a Game of Phones. Salesforce.com is popping higher on increased volume and renewed Microsoft chatter. Um, hearing valued at about $60 billion. Uh, CNBC's David Faber is reporting that in May, Microsoft was willing to offer $55 billion. It would be an interesting partnership. And it would keep uh, Microsoft very, very, very viable. It would be expensive, but very interesting as well. Nike notches a new session high, uh, hitting a, a buck five, $105 a share is the right way of saying that. I call it a buck, but you see where I'm going at with that. Um, Twitter. One analyst is talking about the execution frustration continues and the near intermediate term uncertainty around senior leadership will likely negatively impact execution for the next few months. A lot of people want Google to step in and buy Twitter while they're down and figure out how to monetize it. They just recently started rolling video on Twitter. So a lot like if you're at Facebook and someone's posted a video, it will start rolling the video even though you don't necessarily want it to. Um, oh, by the way, Tesla um, is kind of on the move. Um, it's up 10 bucks today, so sitting at 263 a share. 22% um, of all the shares are shorted, which means a lot of people think Tesla's going to collapse. Um, it's a dangerous company to play with. I don't think you're going to see Apple jump in and buy them, but there's a cult of personality thing that goes on with Tesla that you have to be acknowledging in your head. A company called Lazy Boy is publicly traded. Does that not tell you anything could be publicly traded? Um, World Wrestling. You can invest in WWE. I don't know if you want to or not. One analyst has a $25 price target on it. It's currently 16 bucks or almost $17. Um, basically a loss of investor faith and skepticism about its WWE network have been a material overhang on the company's stock, but... The firm that's giving it an upgrade today says confidence will be restored in both management and the um, network, which is kind of like a 24-7 channel that's on cable, but it's not on cable. It's on the Internet, but you can stream it. And the WWE network should exhibit a seasonal subscriber decline, but the firm believes it's outperforming sub-subscriber expectations post-WrestleMania with lower churn than investors fear. Um, 
They think the network will continue to exhibit strong annual subscriber and profitability growth. I can't imagine this. Like, I recently, WrestleMania came to the Bay Area, and I did some work on it just to see how big of a financial impact it is. It's huge. Um, with that said, you know, it's do you want to invest in the WWE? I'll tell you what, if you've got an eight-year-old kid who loves the stuff, that's a great way to get him going, uh, to get him excited about investing. Tropical Storm Bill is... Yep. Um, Tropical Storm Bill got downgraded to a tropical depression. So sad. You're not going to be a hurricane when you grow up. Don't um, me with them negative ways. But the WTI oil features have been in positive territory um, on this news. Tropical Storm is a bigger catalyst here. The storm is downgraded to a tropical depression as it weakens some. Um, it's going to cause some severe weather for sure. Flooding is expected. Typically when there's you know, hurricanes and situations that are flooding, you see you know, maybe a small boost in stocks like Home Depot um, or some of the energy companies. So it's just worthy of throwing it out there, you know. I don't think you have to get too excited or too caught up in it. But, um, yeah, so storms actually have a play on Wall Street. I think that's kind of interesting for some people to, like, get excited about. Um, modestly higher note, but this is a Fed day, keep in mind. And what that means to me is that at 11 o'clock Pacific time, two hours roughly from now, the Fed's going to change the rules. And they're going to say, you know, maybe we're looking to not raise rates. And Wall Street will adjust pretty quickly. Uh, maybe they'll say something ever so slightly differently. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Amazon announced the availability of its newest version of its Kindle Paperwhite product with a notable upgrade to its display, which allows for 300 pixel per inch reading capability. I still am not into the reader. Still not into the reader. But uh, you got to give Amazon credit. They continue to try to fund the projects that they see important going forward as adding value to their prime services. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more pick up this phone, give me a call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Take care. Have a good day. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.